Hey guys, welcome to episode six of the Trainer Feed. We're going to be having another guest shortly, Brendan Kelly. But before we get started with that, let's just see how everyone's doing. Angel, how's it going? Uh, pretty good. I'm doing pretty well. Um, week was good, productive, and I'm good to go. How about Bravo? What's up? Good, man. Everything's good. Chilling. Uh, had a good workout. I'm still catching my breath. I'm dying, but uh, other than that, I'm good. <laughs> good week. Well, how about you, Jax? Doing good. Um, same as last week. Trying to keep trying to keep some things going. Uh, I'm 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 actually doing a small internship right now for uh, uh, this company that specially is specializing in neuroscience and uh, neuro performance. So it's actually really interesting. Learning a lot of stuff of that. Doing some stuff online. So that's been keeping me busy and then trying to walk out the same. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Without further ado, we're going to talk to you, uh, bring you our guest in. So Brendan is a personal trainer that used to work with us in New York city at West 76th street. And he has opened his own studio in Somerville, Massachusetts. And we're excited to bring you on. What's up, Brendan? What's up guys? How you doing? What up? Good, good. Happy to yeah, be here. Yo, bring it down. We'll see, I'm going to pull my ear out. Yo, what's up, David? <laughs> oh, man, how are you? I'm great, how are you? Good. I was telling how's everybody, how's... Oh, and I was saying how uh, you were in the lobby like 10 minutes before everybody else got here. I was like, yo, you guys, you better step it up because Brendan's ready. I'm a prepared man, you know what I mean? <laughs> I got like 100 Got a Pedialyte in the, in the Dunkin' Donuts cup. <laughs> nice man yeah. staying hydrated so what's new with you guys how's uh quarantine treating all of you quarantine's good um it's it's a whole other, a whole other game now we'll see that we're not in they're not in in the clubs and everything and and these guys in the city i went the outskirts of my girlfriend's uh family and he's in new jersey trying to keep some kind of routine ready are you in new jersey he was, so he, was embarrassed, he was embarrassed to say it. That's yeah, what he was like. Yeah, I was like, I'm on the outskirts uh, <laughs> of the show's location. People no, thought no, he's in, no, he's in Jersey. He's in Jersey. Yeah, I'm in Jersey with the girlfriend's parents, family, everything. It's good. The space to walk out. They have cardio equipment. It's good. It's um, My mom makes sick food, so it's all good, you know, compared to my trash cooking. Arepas, frijoles, uh, carne asada. All right, okay. All right. Oh, I speak Spanish like that. It's weird. Royce, oh, yeah. Royce. Royce. <laughs> Brendan, how's your uh, uh, quarantine going? Uh, it's been good. I mean, having the studio, I can't train anyone there, but I can obviously still work out there myself. So my life hasn't changed much. You know, just kind of go uh, wake up, eat really healthily go to the gym work out uh do my online sessions and then come home play call of duty till who knows when and then damn right <laughs> yeah run it right back right <laughs> all right cool nice. so uh yeah we'll start off with a couple of the questions that we kind of wanted to ask you um you know it's a pleasure to have you here um honestly uh, thank you for your time and thank you for coming through um one of our first questions is uh what and how did your interest in becoming a personal trainer or uh, jumping into the personal training uh, industry, how did that kind of come about? It's actually funny. I thought this was the hardest question to answer because it's like such a long journey. But I think it started, I mean, obviously, I've always been big into physical fitness, athletics since I was young. And then um, I transitioned into bodybuilding, but like, to me, that's still like a very selfish fitness path. It's like, how in shape am I? How in shape can I get like, um, not bodybuilding in general, but what I was doing, it was like, how athletic can I get? How in shape can I get? And then what made the transition for me to want to train other people was probably just at the gym. Um, once I started to get like really in shape, I'd have, uh, different people come up and ask for advice. And then a couple of times I really took the time and like, you know, programmed out for them, which back then was probably terrible program drop set everything till you can't move failure you'll be fine but you know as i say everything works so like they would get some results like you know some level of result and then you kind of see that confidence instilled in the person and then you're like wow you know 
you can kind of help people build their own confidence up by learning that they can do this the same as you can do this. Especially I found people that might not have spent their entire life in athletics or entire life in fitness. So just being like that bridge to kind of show people like this isn't a scary world that we live in. If you lift weights, you're not going to accidentally look like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Like, you know, so like that kind of just changing that whole narrative and helping people kind of empower themselves is like a very addictive feeling for us as coaches, as you guys know. Um, so once I got a taste of that, I was hooked and then you can't really stop. <laughs> yeah. All right. That's awesome. That's a, that's a pretty good way of kind of like thinking about it, like going overall. Um, so that was a great kind of like answer to that. And I think we all have our own stories, like similar to that, uh, yeah. kind of like weird trajectories. I know, um, last week we were speaking with Georgine and how she had a path, um, about like nursing and like to try to lift somebody up and she was, she hurt her back and she was like, Oh no, this isn't it. And then it's like something like it develops into, uh, broke her back. yeah, I mean, that's sometimes that's what it takes. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Uh, cool. So uh, next question was, how has your experience as a personal trainer? I know we were talking about a little bit how we work together um, in a big box gym. We worked at Equinox. How has that impacted uh, your business as an independent gym owner? Um, drastically. I don't think I would be able to do what I do now if I hadn't worked at Equinox. For me, it was kind of like Equinox taught me a lot of pillars of uh, the fitness industry, like specifically with generating leads and sales and um how to like professionally set everything up until your sale to make you like make sure your client thinks that you're giving them a very legitimate product and basically once i finished all the onboarding at equinox the reason like what slowly started going through my brain was like okay like i kind of understand how this works now why am i giving them a piece of my money not to discredit equinox it's an amazing place and it taught me so much but once I finished all the learning, I was kind of like, all right, like, thank you for all these skills. I can now go use these <laughs> <and> benefit myself. <laughs> and, uh, and then like, yeah, so basically like everything I learned from you guys, like when we were doing all those practice, you know, equal fits practice, like first sessions, that is still very much how I structure my like um, business now. Like when I bring someone in, it's like the, I kind of, do a little bit different where I do the assessment and the free session in one go just so I don't really lose them because I'm not a big club so they won't be coming back anyway mm. but um just setting up like the sit down like the the type of conversation we're building um understanding people's like uh, insecurities in moments like this and that's all stuff I learned through Equinox and uh yeah so I kind of just took everything they had to offer and then took it for myself and was like I'm gonna use this on my own now yeah <laughs> but with that being said that really helped me a lot as far as understanding how to work for myself. But then after I left you guys, I started renting um, studio space from a guy who owned his own studio. He had two locations. He's opening a third now. And so then when I came from you guys, I felt like I had everything as far as structurally to run my own business. But then as far as running my own studio, I kind of landed in the perfect spot where then I was able to mentor him. And then I kind of did the same thing where I was like, I'm going to end up paying you about as much money in one year as it would cost for me to get rent. So thank you for all the free advice, but I'm, I'm out once more. <laughs> Another one. Yeah. For real. Not so. awesome. And I was like, when you spoke a little bit about like how, um, like you combine like the equal fit and like, or like a fitness assessment or whatever, and like your complimentary session, you put those two together because you're an independent, like you're an independent studio. Right. So, um, the difference between like a big box is like you might see them again in the gym or something like that right like the lead stays like warm for a while but for you it's like hot and cold like when they walk in through the door they're hot then after they leave it's kind of like wherever that goes is going to go right yeah so my whole philosophy is kind of like if i can get you in the door i will get you as a client so like when i once i put you through like an assessment and a session which is like i kind of speed up the assessment um as long as people don't have any underlying conditions it's kind of like okay here you are. I'm assuming you work in an office, your, your hips are bad and your shoulders are internally rotated. Like we're going to be doing a lot of single leg glute bridges and glute bridges for the first, we're going to just going to get you back to base to start. So I can kind of accelerate the assessment. And then I start to um, just get them moving. And I, I've noticed specifically when you can like, most of my clients come from the corporate world. So I know their hips are a nightmare. So if I can open up or create a little bit of space in those hips and like fix some of that, um, internal rotation like even in a one session with a couple band work like i'm a miracle worker right away so mm -hmm. then it's like, yeah. they're like i can't go without this now. 
Because then, like, even if they go back to work for a few days, they start to tighten back up, and then they're thinking to themselves, like, you know, I need to make a stance. So, again, all stuff I learned from you guys and um, Equinox, but then it just kind of – I taught myself how to accelerate it. But because I won't see them again, like you said. Yeah, that's – that's it's a, it's a game changer. It's a different world. Similar – so I see, like, some similarities and, like, some huge differences, too. Um, yeah. Cool. Uh, so the next one actually leads into, like, starting your own business. Uh, what was the hardest part of starting Brendan Kelly Fitness? Um, the hard, uh, there are a couple of, like different. So like mentally, the hardest part was just taking the leap of faith. Like, you know, for some reason, I, I think like everyone always thinks like being owning your own business or running your own business. Like everyone thinks you're going on Shark Tank. You're trying to pitch a Fortune 500 company. And for me, it was like, just sell one unit, like just sell one personal training package. Okay. <laughs> So like when I broke it down that way, it became a lot easier, but like the stress of like, am I ready for this? Am I, you know, am I like, you know, should I do this? Should I make this jump? And I'm very much like a, just like, just do it kind of person. So for me, getting over that anxiety was a little bit of a hurdle. Um, but as far as like running my business, I would say the hardest thing was generating leads at first and kind of navigating the independent marketing um, field. And I would say that like, I always joke now, if I was to do a floor shift tomorrow, I would talk to every single person in that gym over. Like I would not, I would not accept <laughs> or go for an answer. Like, Cause when you have no inbound clients, it's a night, you're just kind of, you know, you really have to be constantly hounding like on the thumb with a thumbtack or Google advertisement or Facebook advertisement, that kind of stuff. So how, how do you, how do you generate, how did, if like you said, if like, if you do work in a corporate gym, when there's, whether the league is warm or not, and you're saying whether you get someone in the club or in your, in your facility or not, like how do you generate leads? So for me, I, it's actually been like a, a journey, which makes my like business growth, I think, very authentic, where it's like I have my, this works, this doesn't, this, I spent money here, this failed, this works, this failed. So like I started off on Thumbtack, which was working kind of. I would say I would get like um, – I think they use fake leads. I'm going to go ahead and say that right now. What is Thumbtack? At me right now. I think Thumbtack's an, uh, an app where you post a job or service, and then people who are requiring that job or service can then come in contact with you. Gotcha. And think like uh, they charge you maybe like 10 bucks a month to, to be listed. And um, I got recommended that for, through someone else. But then I started getting a lot of ghost leads. So I thought mm -hmm. they, were, they were fake, where it'd be like, hey, like these long term bots. Yeah, like, I thought they were bots. But then I did get a couple of clients off of that. But then I kind of was getting unsatisfied with how many I was getting. So I, I switched over to um, Facebook advertising and um, I'll give away one of my secrets. I started really going after like niche groups in Facebook, like residence groups of towns or like different things like that with uh -huh. smaller numbers of people. So the posts volume wouldn't be as big. So that way more people would actually see it versus if I posted in a massive group and it just gets flushed away. We'll mute this out. Don't worry. The yeah, secret yeah. <laughs> <Don't worry. laughs> <laughs> Beat it out. And then lastly, I, once I started making a little more money, I transitioned to Google, um, Google ads because I had enough reviews. I had like, you know, 40 or like 30 five-star reviews, something like that. So then I started feeling confident enough in my, just my Google business page. And then when you can pay money to have your Google ad posted, like, um, specifically people within a certain mile radius of your gym, um, demographic, age demographics, you know, that kind of stuff. So that will automatically go to them. And I've noticed that is probably the most successful way to advertise, but at the same time, it's also the most expensive. So it's kind of a, a trade-off there. Trade, trade-off. Ah, good to know. Huh. Yeah. One Never quick question for, for somebody that's looking to start their own business. How long would you stay after you left Equinox and started your own fitness, you know, venture? How long did it take you to actually make a profit? Well, at first it was like all profit because I wasn't, I didn't have my own studio. Like I was just kind of bouncing around to like, uh, like different apartment buildings with gyms yeah. and then renting a small studio space for really, you know, like 15 bucks on the session that I'm charging like 80 for. So it's still, and I was living at home, you know, I didn't have rent or I moved yeah. back and like, and then what happened what, for, for my studio, how long did it take to make a profit? Um, probably a lot longer because when I first moved to my studio, I lost, I'd say like, 20% of my clientele just from location. Like my studio, Boston's very small, but- Where are you at again, Somerville? I'm in Somerville, so like Boston- I was there, I mean, it's, it's you, you don't have, I was there, you know, last year, but yeah. 
the area there is very collegey, right? It's very collegey. Um, it's very also like young professionally because it's Somerville's kind of like two family homes is kind of their big demographic with like, you know, grad postgraduate people like kind of yeah. living there and then driving into and from the city. So for me, when I transitioned, I lost a, a good amount of clients like just from location because I, I went from renting a space in downtown Boston to being just outside in Somerville. So some of my clients who didn't have cars weren't able to, you know, make that transition. So that was kind of a hit. And then the overhead being like, um, you know, rent or equipment was all like a flat fixed, you know, rate that I, I knew was coming. The equipment I all paid for up front. So I just kind of put myself in the hole that way. I and see. then once I had the studio and I was able to like, I think it came out great. We did all the construction ourselves. That also, I think, really generated me a huge influx of clients, like just getting those pictures out there um, in my advertisements as well. So it was actually kind of a pretty quick turnaround rate. So I will say I got pretty lucky. But the most important thing was for a while, I was building a book of clients without a studio. So when I made the transition, I still had plenty of people ready to go. Cool, man. Yeah. Um, and least, I know, so for those of you guys listening, that I actually mentored Brenda for a little bit at West 76th Street. I don't know how long it was, but um, definitely one of the easier people to work with that I mentored. I will say that um because of how enthusiastic you were about like building your business coming off the floor just on and, and grinding and but something that you mentioned frequently when we worked together was uh you worked under the mike boyle uh methodology correct in boston um, so yeah i actually am a certified functional strength coach under mike boyle and um like i grew up I grew up in the town where his gym is so a lot of athletes, every, a lot of my friends, a lot of my athletes growing up all trained there as kids. So like, to me, you know, the whole foam roll dynamic warm up, Olympic lifts into like, um, you know, function stability type like model they follow is, you know, that's how you train if you're an athlete. Like that's like, you know, what we're used to. All my friends who are like, same thing. Like I couldn't imagine not doing that if you're, especially if you're going for athletics. So when I went and then I trained under them, with the uh, certified functional strength coach, then I was able to kind of learn their specific, um, like, you know, methodologies and like, you know, why they do certain things in their programming. So I think Angel, you went to it as well. And, and Josh, right? Uh, I don't think I went to, we saw, we saw uh, Mike Boyle at like a perform better summit, but I didn't go to the. Okay. Uh, yeah. Thing. It was his, um, it was his, it was a perform better summit in Long Beach, California. And they're there the whole three days and you get and there's one one evening you get to shoot the shit with them and like it's funny it's so funny the story you're telling us about your studio because when talking to him when talking about progressing or reaching different heights he said you gotta take that chance that was it be if there was one thing that i recall from the conversation i had with him was like you gotta take that chance right my boy was saying this and he's like and, I, and like it's funny because he does mention the story about how he started off uh, working for the Red Sox very, very early on, but he was also making money across the street in a bar, right across from, um, yeah, Fenway Park. from the stadium. And he mentions, he goes like, oh, 15, 20 years later, I'm now part of the strength team winning the World Series of them, you know? And it's like, he said, it's just a very odd story. And we mentioned our last podcast, how it's it, when he, what he's doing now, like he's in his sixties, right? Roughly something like that. So it's not common that people in the strength and conditioning industry are still making a career of it that that light on, right? Like there, there are studies that show that most people kind of get out of the industry or have been for most parts, like in their late twenties and he's showing that it, it can be done. But I've actually listened to a lot of like sport podcasts and his name so often is coming up with like the Bruins uh, from like 15, 20 years ago. And it's like every guy who came into the Bruins team at some point, my boil, my boil. So like, I think it's, he, he definitely leaves his footprint on everything. So I think it's awesome you got to like, walk under for him. Yeah, so like I was able to learn directly under him. I never worked for him, though, so I was going to say that. My, my, um, my <laughs> closest person I know is uh, like Stephen Bigelow's, like uh, really educates. He travels the world and teaches the whole CFSC. I grew up with him, so he was able to um, – he was at the whole seminar I was at as well, and he helped me out as well a lot. So shout out to him. Uh, but – I would say the one thing is if you've ever been to his facility, it has like this, there's, you know, every professional Jersey of every athlete that's ever trained. Every time, yeah. It's, you know, and to me, the craziest thing was, 
you know, I feel like everyone always thinks with sports science, it's like, oh, there's like, you know, this new, he just follows such basic principles to everybody. And it's like, you know, yeah. let's not overcomplicate this. It's just time in, time out. Like, you know, he's like, he's very much like no nonsense. Like if it's scientifically proven to work, we'll use it. If it gets disproven, like, all right, we'll throw it away. Like, <laughs> so like, that's, that's it though. Yeah. It's so that's kind of like their mindset over there. It's really cool. No, that's good. I, th- I think that's, this if it works, it's proven. But again, like as long as there's science to back it up, because so often, like we've spoken about whether it's on social media or other platforms and people saying, Oh, do this or this and train it. And it's like, well, what are you basing it on? If it's like, cause you've got to base it what, on. What's a, what's a, yeah. And like, if you eat with a client, you're doing it with someone like, what are you hoping the outcome will be with a person? You know, oh, like, okay. For, for generating power but like if you're a 65 year old male like you're not are you performing the olympics or maybe maybe not like i don't know yeah probably probably not like you know it's, it's risk right? right probably not yeah <laughs> I don't like, like maybe if you're selective alone but probably not <laughs> um i know you kind of touched on like the difference in how you were in downtown boston and then moving to more just outside what when you have you've been able to train in both New York city and Boston. And what would you say the contrasting experience and, and key features that stand out for you having trained in both cities, the differences? I mean, New York's very much more, um, the training culture, the health culture is much more on the, uh, like developed than it is here in Boston. I would say like, we're more of an emerging market. People are definitely more open to fitness and health and, and glamor and that kind of stuff in New York city. I'd also say people are a little bit easier to talk to and approach in New York City. Boston kind of, I would oh, say. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. I'd say Boston, really? especially like, when you come in with like a little salesy mindset. Like you're in Equinox in New York City. Like these people are kind of looking to like, you yeah. know, money be sold. They know you're there to sell something. Exactly. You know what I mean? And they're there to spend money. You know, it's kind yeah. of a little like, you know, and get in shape. But here I would say training and fitness is kind of just like not as, not as established. So it's kind of like, you know, why would I do that? you know, I, I run, that's good enough. Like that's, you get a lot of people in these like older school mindsets. So I would say that's a little bit more difficult, but I will say that the Boston like whole training scene is on the up and up. Like I'm a part of this group. We do like uh, of all the trainers in Boston, independent trainers in Boston. And we do like um, FaceTime, uh, Zoom calls together. And we're always talking about like, you know, where that whole industry is going. And so I definitely think it's about to like have its, you know, it's day, but it, as far as like where it is compared to where New York is, I would say in New York, I think I could sell 10 times more training. <laughs> uh, 10 times more rent. Yeah, but that's exactly. It goes about saying the rent is, <laughs> yeah, because if you have your own place, like when I, I've, um, I've spoken to, to a client of mine who's in real estate and he told me like these private studios in the city, how much they go for, I think they go between like 18 and 20,000 a month. Yeah, so that's 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 a no for me, dog. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's crazy. I mean, with, with like like you said, I, I think in New York, because of the rent, right? You have this these two types of training met- methods. You have the commercial gym, and then you have CrossFit. I mean, CrossFit boxes, I think, are the only ones that are be are able to, I think, successfully stay open. Not, not, you know, during quarantine, who knows what's happening there. But I think in, in, in normal times, a CrossFit box is charging you, what, $250, $300 a month. Sometimes more. Sometimes more. And then, you know, like you get, get all these people that go to the classes, they're making bank. So, you know, for having a small studio gym like yours where you're teaching people, you know, individually and, you know, actually, in my opinion, things that matter, you know, it's, it's hard to have it in New York because – you're, you're either going to a commercial gym or you're going to a CrossFit box, you know? Yeah, it, it would be impossible in New York. Like, just, it would be, unless you, like you said, unless you're ready to launch some massive, like, boutique studio gym, like the Dog Pound or something like that, like, unless no. you're... But yeah. if you, you know how he like, started that's off... That's a multi-million dollar, you know? But you know how he started off, the Dog Pound? No, I, I have no idea. So, um, I forgot his name, first name, but it was something Maya is in. He pretty much knew the head, his... His brother, uh, well, he, he, he himself had health problems. He went to save his brother in New York City, and he wanted to start training. And he would start training like $40 an hour, right? This is like 15, 20 years ago. 
And his brother knew the head of the New York Stock Exchange. So he says, I want to train him. This guy, head of the, of the Stock Exchange, also knew Hugh Jackman. And that's how he got on to training those guys. Once oh, he was training Hugh Jackman, I, what's up? Did he like train him for Wolverine? Was that like him? I, Actually, I'm I mean, pretty no, sure the time, the time frame Jackman of when he was training. Too. What's up? Hugh Jackman was uh, Equinox too. He was yeah, he, I think he would train at the. Well, I, th- I believe he would train at the E Club, right? Columbus Circle. But my understanding is Myers would train Hugh Jackman in the same time frame he was doing some of the Wolverine films. Now that's enough to say the like, all right, you, you train Hugh Jackman during Wolverine. He got onto um, the Victoria's Secret models. Victoria's Secret would pay him how much. Now. The only reason why I read up this much is because I have a client who she moved downtown like about a year ago. And she said, like, oh, also one of these dog pound. And I was like, oh, I don't mind looking up. And did the research. This guy who was charging $40 an hour, right? He first started, right? And uh, he opened this because they wouldn't let him train Hugh Jackman anymore. Hugh Jackman could bring his dog, hence dog, dog pound. This guy now charges, you don't know how much he charges an hour when he trains? Like 700 bucks or something like that, right? Up. Up? Oh, uh, oh. <laughs> a grand. Cool. A grand. This guy charges a thousand dollars an hour, and when you read, when I've read what he's done, like with a journalist who reports this and saying like this is what we did, it's like you said, it's not any, like we, with my boy. It's not like it, it's not that what he's teaching you is necessarily new science. He's teaching you the basics, the fundamentals. But he's doing it right, and he's doing it in accordance of how he judges how you move. Right? There's so much more than just giving you the sets of exercises but it I, I just thought i'd bring that up because he started off very small and now he opened up in west hollywood right like that thing is worth so much money in, oh, yeah. in, in hollywood all the celebrities go there like justin Bieber's just hanging out walking out um it's it's pretty inspiring i i, I think it's a pretty cool story and and it actually leads me on to think that you remind us how long you've had your studio open open for Brendan? A, a little more than a calendar year. So like uh, So almost all right. So like, but I was so where do you 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 also so a bit over a calendar year, you mentioned you kind of check back in with the trainers in the local area. Where do you see or hope your business getting to? Like five, ten years like how how do you see expanding? Um I mean right now I was before coronavirus like quarantine happened I was thinking about even expanding my physical location I'm probably about 250 square feet right now so I was going to expand that try to get some carpet turf in my studio um just enough nice. for sled nothing crazy like not, no indoor sprints but like and then I believe like I was going to try to up my um session rate just increase value like and then um you know, slowly start to drive up my prices. I actually love the whole um, dog pound model. So I, you know, definitely follow that. Like the more quality, the more clients I get trained, the more you slowly start to bring your rate up because the more people you continuously are able to assess on the fly and then correct those things. And I remember talking to you guys about this. Granted, as long as you don't have anyone with any like specific diagnosed issues, you know what I mean? Like our eyes are our best tools. Like I can tell right away, like, Oh, you're lacking ankle mobility. I can tell right mm-hmm. away. like, Oh, your, oh, your entire problem is coming from that anterior pelvic tilt. Like, you know what I mean? From like, and we're going to fix it in this multiple ways. And then once we get you there, then we can go balls to the walls and do all the fun stuff. But like for the beginning, it's like, um, you assess these things and that's to me what gives you the value. Like the, the more you do that and the more, so for me, when you say, where do I want to be in five years? It's like kind of doing what I'm doing now at a much higher level. And then also, um, I don't know if I thought about bringing on like another trainer, but I don't know if I can stay independent and continue to do all these things. I'd love to do that as well, because to me, a big mentor as well as dog pound for me is, uh, Ben Bruno. And I know he's he's one of my favorite trainers and he has the, uh, independent studio and his is going great. So that's definitely, he's in a garage, right? Yeah. That's like a, he he brings his clients, trains, he lives on a hill uh, on a, on a slope and he doesn't like sled pushes and pulls in the driveway right that's yeah but that's cali right like his his garage is probably you know nicer than my house so oh, garage. <laughs> okay yeah. my bad oh the garage yeah what the <laughs> fuck is a garage get that out of here <laughs> the other day jock hit us with some garage, jock. yeah he was he was saying uh it doesn't matter how much money you have or how much land you have i was like land it's like, when's the last time you heard that? <laughs> I was watching Game of Thrones. It doesn't matter how much dowry I get. I, 
<laughs> your land, your crops, your gold. Right. Yeah. But, right. <laughs> but, but, uh, booms over here. Yeah. So where I want to, where I want to be in five years is just, uh, probably where I am now with either a bigger uh, space or just, um, yeah. And doing what I do at a higher level. I will say though, um, I've done, I did like a uh, team training. I worked with the, like the, uh, high school lacrosse team in um, Winchester, Mass, and like they went, they won a state championship. You know, kudos to me. They worked nothing to do with me. But um, so then uh, I will say, like, I so I kind of got a little taste of also like um, this like group training with athletics, which is kind of what they do over at MVSC, and I, I was able to do that at the high school. And I'll still say I love the one, the one on ones. Like always been my, you know, to me that is like the the thing of training because you know when you're in that group of fifteen, you have to accomplish a specific goal and in order to do that you have to let some things go like you know what I mean and like you know the perfectionist of me I'm like I really want to take this kid aside and just address ankle mobility but he's 15 years old and just wants to bench press 315 so I have to like and if there's 10 other ones how do you focus in on one kid when there's 10 other ones you know like it's hard yeah. to yeah so, like there was a while I thought that's what I wanted to do but then like recently I kind of realized like no I just kind of want to build like a really solid private studio just like you know dog pound Ben Bruno stuff like that that'd be a you know ideal nice that's dope man and congrats is it it's a it's not a I, I remember seeing you posting the pictures when you first got the space the painting more equipment like I I can I understand what you mean like it's people see the finished product and people don't know your mental state when you're just starting the space or trying to open you're like fuck, if this doesn't work, like, have I just, what, you know, should have I stay? Like, it's, it's never, there's never an easy way or a time that, you know, it's just right until maybe after. So I, I want to say kudos and congrats. I think it's awesome to be able to open your own space. And I think that's pretty phenomenal. You could say, like, I have my own studio, chairman of clients. I think that's, that's pretty sick. So congrats, man. Thank you, man. And also, you guys worked with me. You know me. Like, I'm, I'm pretty, like, I would say it's my ego that allows me to do these kinds of things because I'm like, eh, like, I, if you can do it, I can do it. If You know what I mean? Like, if, if that person can do it, why can't I do it? Yeah, and then also, I love that I'm like, if I fail, I fail. Like I'm moving. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of you know I've always just been reckless in that way, so it's a good way to be reckless, I guess. But it's just kind of like I see something and I'm like, all right, I can do this on my own. <laughs> That's fair. No, it's it takes balls, but it's good, man. Yeah. Right. What's your current niche? Like, what what do you what do you what kind of people are you training now? So this is another question I liked a lot when I was reviewing when you guys sent me these last night because niche, I don't think I have a niche. I don't want to pigeonhole myself. I will tell you what I like, don't like to, what I wouldn't be comfortable training would be people with like, you know, serious, you know, uh, like diagnosed, you know, situation like diseases or injuries or something like that. Like, you know, real, real, like that, any niche client I wouldn't really want. But as far as like general population, I have clients who are, you know, uh, like above 65 I have you know I've trained kids who are young I, I just find that like I don't really like the whole niche training because in my belief and my philosophy is like I'm going to assess where your like leaks in your kinetic chain are I'm going to fix those and then we can do kind of whatever you want like once I have you with like a solid base I'm pretty confident like I won't injure you like we're not going to do anything absolutely reckless like but if you want to do hey I want a power lift like okay, I can get you there. But first I'm going to make sure you're moving properly. We're going to be doing our split squats. We're going to open up all these things. So that way, when we do go, if you do want to squat, I can help you with that. I don't recommend it, but I'll, I'll get you to that goal if that's like a, a thing. But I found that most people just want to get in shape. So I wouldn't really say I had a niche because it's like, I always say, show me what kind of shape you want to get into. And then I'll, I'll program around that. But like, uh, I think what to answer, to answer your question would just be like, I, my niche is I just avoid niche clients. I avoid, like, if someone had, like, you know, MS, I would I'd probably refer them out to someone else. If someone had, you know, some other type of, you know, some, like, situation going on like that, I would, I would not be comfortable training. I mean, that's one good thing about training independently. You're, I mean, working at a, at a big box gym, it's like, fuck. Like, you have MS, I still need to train you to make money. You know, it's like... And would you consider working with the PT, with the doctor directly in order to train somebody like that? Or is that completely like out of the question? I would probably refer out just because I wouldn't be comfortable with it. You know, um, I, I always believe there's a bunch of, there's enough food for everybody out here. So like I have a network of trainers as well. And I, I know people who are more equipped than me to do that and like dedicate only to doing that. So I'd be like, why not? I'll, I'll feed them someone. 
and then I can stay on my path, which is doing like, you know, exactly what I know, but I, I wouldn't be like uh, opposed to it. Yeah. You know, I'd love to help them out if they felt that they clicked with my personality and they gave me all their PT related workouts. Yeah. We'll do anything. I, yeah. I mean, again, back to the whole, like, yeah, what I don't know what we call it, like just confidence or I don't know. I'd just be like, yeah, I can do it. Give me, give me those. Yeah. I'm sure I'll do it. I'll research it. I'll, I'll figure it out. It's like me. I think, you know, whenever I have people that come to me and say, I want to run a marathon in a month, I'm like, all right, well, I'm not, I'll, I'll refer you out to somebody that actually does that. I don't run. I mean, I probably should at this point in quarantine, but it's, it's, it's good that you're like, you understand where it is that your, I think experience limits you. I think we all need to check ourselves sometimes like that. Yeah. Um, I also like love one thing I learned like from you guys was like asking other trainers for help. Like I don't yeah. like we used to work with that. If I had someone ask me for a marathon, I'd probably reach out to Gina, even though I, she probably didn't even remember who I am. <laughs> <laughs> I still hit her with a, like a crazy text message. Like, Hey, like we used to work together. I know you're a big marathon runner. Do you have any, you know, you have any like stuff for programming? And I'd send that out to like five or six different people. I know who are trainers who have done marathons. Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. I mean, like you said, there, there is food for everyone. And, and the biggest thing is there's information everywhere. Like, yeah, you know, you can get something from me. You get something from me. get something from me. Like, we can all get something from you, especially if, you know, if any of us ever want to open up our own studio because you already have experience in it, you know? Yeah. Um, but right now, because of the shit we're in, this whole, you know, COVID-19, how has that affected your, your training? I know you said that you're training people online, but has it has it been tougher because you don't you're not hands on? It's oh, been yeah. tough for me. Absolutely. Yeah. Like um, honestly, I was very hesitant to online training at first because I'm a big believer. Like you know, what are we really doing here? Like, yeah. Am I training you? Yeah. Like I'm telling right. you to do push-ups and freaking air squats in your basement on a Zoom call. Like you know what I mean? Like and you're and I'm supposed to be comfortable with you paying me for this? Like that was a huge problem with me because I was like, <laughs> oh, that's dude, that's the hundred percent, man. That was going through my head when this whole thing started. It's like. I'm so hands-on. I'm like, okay, I'm going to help you do this, help you do that. But it's a big, you know, change. I don't know. I mean, Angel and Jacques probably had experience in that before I did, at least. I've never trained somebody, you know, through video, virtually. Yeah, so what I've been kind of sticking to is, like, most people don't have weights, so we've just been doing a lot of body weight stuff, and we just kind of stick to the, like, pillars of movement. Like, you know, we're doing our knee-dominant, hip-dominant, just doing a lot of split squats, doing a lot of uh, – you know, single leg deadlifts with just uh, like body weight, a lot of dead bugs, like just kind of hitting whatever basics we can to my whole thing is to limit the regression of like your mobility because everyone is sitting down so much that I mm. feel like hip mobility, like everyone's like my back hurts. What's going on? It's like, you're sitting down way Whoa. too much. Your hips are so tight that your lower back's now like, you know, taking over. So I've just been trying to pick workouts that really combat that because I'm like, you know, are we going to get stronger? Probably not. Can we maintain? Can we maintain and still burn calories? Yes. So like, can we get the heart pumping? Can we get all those benefits? Yeah. So it took me a while to rationalize it though. Cause a part of me is like, what's really going on here? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Nice, man. Yeah. Nice. But what I about mean, you guys? I have a couple of questions myself. I was going to say, what have, um, have you guys all been combating this and how has Equinox been helping you guys combat this as well? You guys been doing virtual sessions through Equinox or is that, you know? Yeah. Yeah, through Equinox, they've been they they they've been you know emailing back and forth, and we're trying to get people as many people as we can in. They're helping us out with a percentage of what we used to make because it's tough, tough out here. We gotta yeah. eat. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's it's good. We're very, we're very um we're very fortunate that in the company that we're uh, we're still being paid. Like unfortunately, people got let go, and we're very fortunate to be the ones that are still uh still working, still earning money for them. Um, and it's definitely been a topic we've mentioned on here in some of the previous episodes that week on week, more people are reaching out and realizing that like you said as well, like, oh, this is, especially if you're hands-on and if like you said, your best tools are your eyes, right? Which I, I, I quite firmly agree. And if your eyes, which are now the zoom camera are distorted because it connects you poor, like it, it can be tricky, right? So it's definitely been a scenario where it's been harder for some people to be like, oh, I'll wait. And then the more people realize that this isn't changing for a little while at least, you know, and we've been shut since what, like it's getting close to two months now that they're like, okay, I need to move. And this is the next best thing. It's not quite working out in the gym, but I've definitely had more, I had prior to this trained one or two clients privately via 
um, virtual training and I was fortunate that it was someone that's like very simple, very easy to work with. Like again, some people are harder to work with than others and she was very simple. So I got a very good taste of it prior and it's, it's not easy, you know, like next thing you know, you got no Wi-Fi, and you're like, oh, I lost some, and I did squats. My least favorite is like if the video's in one location and like you're worried about their ankle mobility, which is off screen mid set and you're like, I, yeah. you're like, oh. it's hard. Like I, you, you also have like, I mean, look, like I feel bad when I'm like, all right, do you mind just moving the camera? Cause you're doing the exercise and I don't see the top of your head. That's all I see. Yeah. You know, yeah. like you're doing, like I said, you're doing squats and I have no idea how your, how your hip is moving, how your knees, how your ankle, like your whole body, <laughs> you know? So that's, that's a challenging, but I know Angel has been doing some as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Again, like just to reiterate what these guys uh, pretty much said like Equinox has definitely been helping us out hooking us up giving us a percentage of what we used to make um, and then the virtual sessions that we kind of like provide those get added on top of that um, so we're very fortunate in that regard and then like this week um, I've had like at least I've had like some new leads and I've never you know experienced new leads virtually before so it was kind of weird it's like all right so let's let's do a FaceTime call before our actual like virtual training. You know what I mean before? And it's like, it's interesting because like now you're starting to ask different questions like, okay, what kind of space are we working with? What's your equipment like? Um, do you have any like kids that are going to come into the room like mid set or something like that? Like what's your environment like? Because these are, you're trying to control as many variables as possible. And obviously you don't know what the situation is, but um, you know, those who are interested in it, I feel like they're, down to just make it work because they kind of have the mindset of like we don't know when this is going to end we don't know how this is going to work so we just need to move um so those clients are good in that regard and they're more likely to be converted uh, because they're just interested um but yeah it's been it's been interesting it's been a it's been a game of like all right, your foot is off screen so let me just tell you this right now because like if i don't say anything like Next thing you know, your ankle's going to break off or something like that. Yeah, yeah, like, I don't know what's going to happen next. Start, the anxiety <laughs> starts to creep up. It's like, is that thing stable on that wall or is that picture going to fall off the wall? And <laughs> <head>? <laughs> you know? I have a client that if I ever do jumping jacks, her hands would touch the ceiling. And I'm like, don't break, don't break a finger now. But uh, Brendan, is, is Brendan Kelly Fitness coming back to bodybuilding? Or are you going to change sports? You're going to Olympic weightlift? What's up? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm just a competitor. I'm down to do whatever. Lately, I, I took on Brazilian jiu-jitsu. So, I mean, I was doing that a lot, like probably uh, two days a week, just like for cardio. Um, that was getting a little hard to program for myself because I like to lift weights like six days a week, which is kind of, I know, crazy as far as like uh, programming goes. <laughs> um, I like to lift like six days a week. So then I added jiu-jitsu in on two. I was doing like one, two a day and then one day of just cardio. So I had to scale back in order to do that. And I was going to compete in their Boston open. But then obviously with coronavirus, it doesn't look like we're doing anything like that. As far as bodybuilding, no. Um, I feel like in, in, for me, it's kind of gotten to the point where it's like, I've never really, I kind of just did that just to do it. It was like another little competition thing. And it's not, I feel like that I look at, you know, AG and like, you know, where he's at and I'm like, I'm, I'm not gonna be a pro. So I might as well just you know, focus on what I can. Cause he's crazy. on a different level these days. And, um, you know, I, I highly respect it, and I love the whole – I always love bodybuilding. It's like a – you know, probably what made me fall in love with weightlifting to begin with. But as far as, you know, if I'm going to get on stage again, probably probably not. I'll be on stage next to AG someday. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I have a couple – I was going to say – I got a couple more. I was going to say for you guys, do you feel – I personally find that in, like, fitness, for us, it's like – you reach a level like you always want to be self-educating but i feel like you get to a level where you learn enough and then it's kind of you know everything after that is like yeah. there's like a base of what we should be doing with our clients as far as like and equinox covers that really well and so does the cfsc as far as like the seven localized movements and like you know not building strength on top of dysfunction and you know programming accordingly and then i personally found that like there's a level of that that it's like this is how you train someone and then it kind of ruined all other training for me because now I look at other training. And I'm like, that is wrong. Like, that is incorrect. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you guys felt the same thing. So I was saying the more I learned about like functional training and like the, how 
this is proven to work and what you're doing is not, it kind of like, it makes it me very hard to be, uh, to like look at others. A hundred percent. I think, I, I think, you know, these guys know me in terms of how I am with programming and training and stuff. It, it, it's hard because at some point you start learning all these, you know, proven things that'll work for somebody and that has been shown to work for a variety of people that, I guess to the point of you're, you're not telling your clients to do whatever they want or to do this and that and this and that without a structure. And once you get a, once you have a structure in place, it's hard to deviate from it with, for anything. So, uh, you know, like you said, in a point that you learn something, this is right. And then what you see somebody else do, it's wrong. I would admit that in the beginning, I was very much like that. It's like, what yes. are you doing? Like, like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. It's fucking now, now I'm a little more of like, okay, well, at least you're moving, you know? Like, I mean, at least for me, the biggest thing was CrossFit in the beginning. The early stages of CrossFit was a big, like, oh my God, like this is a lot of these things or a lot of the, like you said right now, don't build strength over dysfunction. And you see a lot of people, you know, just lifting barbells over their head with, you know, poor form. And it's like, shit, you know, okay, I get that you want to do all this stuff. It's great. But, you know, maybe scale back a little bit. But now my mentality is, okay, well, at least we're introducing introducing a barbell to somebody, right? It's like, okay, we're introducing this strength move for somebody that they could probably be able to master at some point, especially for women. You know, you know, back before CrossFit happened, women would rarely ever touch a barbell unless it was to compete in bodybuilding. Yeah. And yeah. The, the biggest, you know, stereotype or, you know, stigma of, women lifting weights is they'll be huge and jacked and bulky when when after you see the crossfit games you see a lot of these women that are actually strong are actually very athletic not look anything like a female source nigger you know yeah and yeah. that would open up a lot more avenue for, for women to work on strength so i think you know it, it is it is tough i think to learn so many things and then be like all right well shit where do i go from here I think also like why I'm doing RKC again. Like I did kettlebell athletics with Jason Brown, and after that, it's like okay, well, let me relearn some of the stuff using you know RKC method, and I'm doing it online, and it's pretty cool. Hmm. I was gonna jump. I was gonna jump in and say that we kind of mentioned earlier as well. Like when you see someone do, I again, like David said, I was very much the opinion. Where I see someone like, what the fuck is this person doing? And I was like, this fucking clown, that fucking clown. Like when your clients be like, "Oh, do you spot something go wrong?" I was like, "You ready?" And if it was the end of the day, I'd be like, "This one, this one, this one, this yep. one." This one. Like going off. Like, like, I think we're still like that to some extent. You, you just have to, you have to understand that everyone's got different goals, and like David said, like as long as you're moving, I think that's a re- like your fact you're here and you're moving is a great thing. And also, like what even for between all four of us here, like what optimal movement or what functional may look like. I mean, we're pretty relative on this pretty much on the same wavelength about this obviously but like four different minds can have such a different opinion of what like moving well will look like and i think that when we see people moving like as long as there's a reason for them doing the movement like my biggest thing is whether someone tells me oh i did this and i was like oh what are you hoping to get out of it i don't know i just saw it i was like well it's not that you're doing it, it's wrong it's like well what would what would you be hoping to get out of it like what why do you think you'd be doing it what we want to to achieve and I'm not trying to shit on someone. I'm trying to say like, no, like I just don't want you to waste. Like I said, if, if we, we mentioned bodybuilding or, or whatever it was, like if you want to, again, like when females, like we mentioned CrossFit, right? Like I've never seen traps like that. Like mo- both males and females, like, those traps are like huge. Great. And sure. another thing I will say about CrossFit, like David mentioned, I, I've done a bit myself and something I did, again, I heard a lot of the stigma behind it. Like damn, people are just getting broken at CrossFit. The issue with some parts of CrossFit, in my opinion, is when you go to the class, the people who can do it are good. They're fine. They can rock it. They can do all right things the regular way. But when someone can't do it and they just go, I'm a fucking try anyway, that's where the issue is. When someone doesn't go, oh, I should do a little, I should scale it back or I should do a regress version. I'm just going to do the regular version and break my fucking back. That's where the issue is, in my opinion, when I've, when I've seen it. Like, I don't think it's interrupters. I don't think it's the people do the those that can do it it's those that are still learning and starting to work like there's an ankle mobility that needs to work on it but again it's like well are you are you just going to crossfit to get sweat on or are you going because you actually want to get better at it like it depends on what the person wants to do no, i agree so, 
good athletes can jump you know, in. It's, yeah. Yeah. And actually, people have never run CrossFit before, like when Brian, so his wife is the one I'd go with in, in the city, Neo, uh, Neo Fifth Avenue. He would occasionally just come and he would just like um, power snatch something above his head, which people were like having to like really do technique. He would just like power snatch it, like 185 above his head. Like it was easy, right? Because he cut. So it came natural to him. But again, basically, what I was going back to was like, as long as you have a purpose for something, you know, and I, I again, I, when we, we mentioned as well, like on Instagram, when I see these workouts, I'm like, okay, what are you trying to, what are you trying to achieve? Like, what is the purpose of this? You know, and whether it's my girlfriend, whether it's someone else sending this workout or this post, I'm like, okay, cool. What are we doing this for? Oh, I don't know. It just looks cool. Well, I don't know. Fuck. I don't know. Fuck. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's the biggest problem I have is like people will bring you. It. it looks cool. Like, oh, no, and, the, and the sad fact is, this is how social media works, right? We're like, we could be doing, again, we could be doing, like, let's, let's for example, right? Let's say Mike Boyle, right? Mike Boyle's in his 60s. He's bowling whatever glasses, right? He has a different look to, say, someone like, I don't know, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger is peak, right? Not not exact comparisons, but for, they, they would sell from a very different thing. Huh? I said Jen Selter versus Mike Boyle. <laughs> Who's if actually going to help you develop a better posterior chain? Mike Boyle. Right. Who would you ask if you were in a gym? He even says that. He goes, um, would you come up to me in a gym and ask me for advice? <laughs> yeah, you probably wouldn't. Right? And that's kind of how that's, everyone knows. That's how social media works. Like Mike Boyle, who's so accomplished, who's worked with all these professional teams who's helped them win. Like, all bar in the last two years, Boston has had a championship in almost every season across the four or five sports. It's like... 20 years, uh, right? Yeah, we don't remind him that. But if he's worked in that culture, it, again, he's got that knowledge. But if he's doing a squat versus, like I said, Jen Salter is the one who's squat, like very different reception. And again, it, it looks better, it sells better, but like what is... Listen, what you, I mean, okay. One thing that I heard, I forgot who it was that told me a long time ago. You know, anybody could do a squat, right? But... When there's a shit squat, there's a, it's a shit squat. You know, and like there's no two ways around it. Like yeah. you could see somebody do a squat completely fucked up, but you know, yeah, we understand with all these different, you know, you know, lengths of your femur and tibia and all that crap. But it's like, yeah, you know, take all that into consideration, but still do a proper, properly done squat. It'll be better. And Mike Boyle has this. Uh, if you guys follow him on Instagram, yeah, he yeah, used yeah. to make these videos about bad training exercises they were fucking hilarious yeah 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 no, then he he, like, no bad exercises and then he'd start like exactly. he'd then he's like talking about the leg press he's like why you know like things that it's it's fucking hilarious yeah. you guys should check so, out the whole reason for me bringing this up was I was going to say one of the biggest obstacles I find as a trainer, and I was like, love to hear you guys' opinions. Like, your clients come to you with something from like a fitness expert, which you know is a yeah. just in great shape, trying to sell whatever, literally like shoving product down people's throats, and you're just thinking like, I don't know how to put this on you easy, but it's like, if you're in that good of shape or you're that athletic, like in the world of training, everything works. You know what I mean? I could have you run in place like a psychopath for an hour, and you're gonna get in shape. You know what I mean? Like, so the question is, is it the most optimal method? So I yeah. find that now with the modern social media, I constantly have people being like, is this a great workout or should I be doing this? This person does this. Oh, like, and I noticed a lot. I don't know if you guys have, I've seen a lot of pro athletes were doing some really terrible exercises. Yeah. On the, like NFL on like the Snapchat thing. It's like, you see guys doing that are completely breaking like the, the pillars of functional, you know, sports training. And then yeah. like someone might see that and be like, well, Chase Young's doing this exercise. Like, why, why, how could that be bad? Oh, he's Chase Young's a beast. Like, what Chase Young does, he could, like, he could probably deadlift poorly, I know, upwards of 400, 500, 600 pounds, I bet. But, like, right? and up. Yeah, that's probably, that's for him getting warmed up, I bet, right? Like, guys, a monster. But, like you said, I think one of, wasn't one of Mike Boyle's pointless exercises tire flips? Yeah, hates tire flips. He hates him, right? Like he thinks you're kind of not on a squat, not on a hinge. Your back's rounded. Like, what he do you just mean? says why? Like, what does what does that have to like? What does that only do for you? Like, why is that different than a kettlebell swing? Why is that different than a kettlebell? Like, if you want to get crazy, like a throw, which would be a little bit less of a hinge. Like when people do like those like um like big kettlebell throws. Like, how is that developing you more power than say a Kaiser, you know, swing or something like that, where you could have like a real ability to 
develop like against um that kind of resistance. How is a Kaiser swing? It'd be like a one of the like a hip, like a hip hinge on um the Kaiser. You know the Kaiser machines. I don't know if you guys have them. It's like a it's like a compressing resistance. So it's really good. Your legs. You could kick back. No, no, it'd be just like a cable crossover, but instead of weights, it uses um like compressed air, so it's very power driven. Oh, I think I know. Yeah, I've the seen harder you go, yeah, I've only ever seen them at the MBSC, but you know, yeah. like they have these different like um, and then I always laugh because you get so many people being like, they don't believe you because like, oh, it's a pro athlete. You're telling me someone's ill advising one of the best athletes in the world. I'm like, yeah, someone is. Like someone's holding someone a training bag, you know, you <laughs> so have. I mean, you have a big population being studied, a big sample size being studied, and then this one person that looks a certain way, that's a pro athlete, does it completely different. Everyone's like, oh, but you're wrong because this one person does it like this. Like, no, this, he's the anomaly. He's the one that's just like, yeah. happens to be like that, you know, and, someone, it, and that's hard to comprehend for a lot of someone, uh, someone also once told me, like, I think Tiger Woods has had knee surgery. Uh, I don't know how long ago, but like... This is a buddy of mine who, who was telling me this story. He was also a trainer. And he was saying, like, he hates the leg extension. He thinks it's the what And physical therapists will tell you the same thing. They say it's the worst thing for your knee, the amount of stress, the pressure it puts on the kneecap. And lo and behold, Tiger Woods, I think it was three weeks after his surgery, one of the first things he was doing was, like, was leg extensions. And, like, can you, can you argue there's benefits to strengthen the quad under low weights, low loads? I think you can, but I don't think that's an exercise you should do five by five power, you know, oh, like it's, it's a small, no, you but, <laughs> people probably will. That was know, like the 80s. Like you watch videos power. of guys kicking that thing with like 300 pounds, like <laughs> ivory. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Back and forth. <laughs> yeah. and my kneecap, just thinking of that. <laughs> Yeah, so like, I agree with you. Like, I think like with the specifically the leg press because that was actually in a lecture I was listening to where it's like not the leg press, the leg extension, but uh, there's a time and a place for it. Like they use it. A lot of people will use it for rehabilitating, but they're using like 20 pounds time under tension because like you yeah, it, it's the load exactly. It's yeah. it's a load and like something uh, something I never experienced before until my my most recent recovery was blood flow restriction training. You ever heard of that? Yeah, yeah turn it this is amazing like you you feel so weak but it's it's phenomenal and i i love the fact that like you're replicating that kind of workload with such minimal stress on the body and the, and the joints and the muscles really i think it's, that's a really but again it'd be that on the leg press that and banded work very stuff that like you wouldn't do heavy heavy weights on just stuff to get like certain muscles firing again you know and i think uh like with all this like kind of being being said as we continue to grow in the fitness industry, I think it's important to kind of understand and respect how slow like research goes because scientifically we might not see for the next like 10, 15 years, you know, 20 years, maybe we might, we might not see like huge differences in the knowledge that we know and maintain right now, but there might be like one or two things that pop up that will be like complete game changers. And then we'll be like the old men in the gym, like, Oh, this doesn't work. You know, back in my day, nobody used blood flow restriction or nobody used you yeah. know, a Normatec, right? And then you start to see like some really good results from it over time. So I guess it's hard. We might be like thinking of it from a young perspective. Like Mike Boyle kind of has that mentality where like if it works, it works scientifically. If it gets this discounted, then I'm just going to throw it out and we're not going to use it anymore. And that's probably the mentality that we'll all get if we kind of like, are in the industry for that long a period of time because you'll see a whole bunch of things being used you know for you know pointless reasons and some of them for like that look pointless like actually work right like you see the guys with like the, the straps on their head or something like that and they're like doing like the neck training i just started doing that it actually works a lot because of uh computer posture brings you forward so i've been banding like reverse yeah. balls. god so you guys seen the jaw size yeah 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 the, oh you, i saw bro, that you know like I need to read that study. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> My girl's brother sent me that and I was like, what the fuck I is this? I already have TMJ anyway, so it's like if I get that, it's just going to be over for me. Okay. But uh, yeah, Angel, I always think like that's like the Bruce Lee mentality, like weirdly not to get like weird, but I always think that fitness is so much like a martial art and it's like, um, that's what you said about Mike Boyle being 60. Like we're in the industry of like, 
almost like there's a level of fitness that's very much um, you can only get the knowledge from doing it. And so like, you know, we're in a uh, industry of mastery, I should say. So like um, the only way to be an expert is to actually live it for like 30 years. Like if you hands on put in those like 10,000 hours of training people, you'll have, you'll actually be at your peak as a trainer when you're, you know, m not when we're young and when we look like we're in shape, but yeah. when our minds are full of all this information, when our, like we're so trained visually, you know, when we're in our sixties, you'd, you'd be, you know, that's what you like that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. So, yeah. But I always laugh, man. I get so many people, like, I always think Yoel Romero, like UFC champion, like he has a video, he has a sledgehammer in each hand and he's just terrible, like shoulder, just smashing a tire. <laughs> and someone's like, man, I'm like, that's a terrible exercise. Like, dude, don't be a hater. Like, this is a UFC champion of the world. Like, dude, like, what do you think? Like, his trainers don't know what they're doing. And I'm like, that based on that video, yes. Yeah. <laughs> when I, when someone shows me a video, usually like, when my girlfriend shows me these videos of someone doing a kettlebell thing, I'm like, trash, trash, form trash, trash, that's shit squat. And it's not being, I was like, if you're asking my opinion as a professional, he could get more range. He should, you know, or like, for example, this one guy was doing something pretty impressive. And I was like, what's the weight of that bell? Because, you know, the, oh, the, um, juggling? yeah, well, it wasn't juggling, but he was, it, what are those, uh, those are the um, Olympic kettlebells, right? The, um, competition kettlebells. Competition kettlebells. Yeah, they're all the same size, whether it's four kilos or four kilos, right? And this guy was doing all this shit, and I was like, how heavy How heavy is this thing? And this thing was like fucking 12 kilos, and I was like, no fucking wonder he's doing this shit, 12 kilos. <laughs> he was doing fucking snatches and squats and all, and, and all this shit, and I was like, okay. Like when he, he looked good doing it, I'll give you that. But like, again, I'll, as, if, if you ask me, it's shit form, like... There was um, a few of us talking about LeBron's uh, squat came up conversation. They're like, oh, yeah, but then there's sport specific. There's sport specific, then there's not even getting any range of motion, right? That, look. There was no purpose to that squat. I've made this argument with hundreds of people. That <laughs> squat was terrible. No, not, so not bad. once does someone so say, no, once does someone say he's a poor athlete or he gets injured often. We're not, we're not discrediting him for that. We're saying that is a ever. shit squat. That well, was terrible. His trainer should be fired on spot. Like that's <laughs> You're done. <laughs> yeah, no, nah, but that's, it's, look, like, again, if he, if he had, a, if, whether it's LeBron with someone else, whether they have a reason or like the UFC fighter, you said they had terrible form. If well, he's he a beast. He's just smashing these two sledgehammers <laughs> on a tire over and over again. And, I'm, and he's jacked. He's the most jacked guy ever. He's like 42, Yoel Ramiro. He's the same age as Tom Brady and he's yoked. And, Different um, country, right? <laughs> yeah, and he's just like uh, doing this workout that seems to me like nonsense. Like, yeah, just go crazy. Go get tired. It'd be like someone like, here, here's two hammers. Go, go, <laughs> <laughs> try that with some of my clients. Here's your hammer, see in an hour. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just start smashing. <laughs> Where can we find you online, Brendan? Online, um, brendankellyfitness.com. You can also find me at Instagram at brendan.kelly.fitness. And uh, for all personal training inquiries, you can go through my website as well. So, And cool. also I'm on YouTube, even though I only have one video, I will say my. Oh, uh, fun. My biggest obstacle is content because I feel there's so like, it's, I go so back and forth. Like I want to put out good content, but then like you put out a lot of good content as far as like from a trainer standpoint, and, like mm. it does terrible. And then like, if I, I know deep down, yeah. like I grab two sledgehammers and start smashing that tire in front of my house. <laughs> <laughs> I was a master trainer. They'd be like, this guy knows all the secrets. Like, he's <laughs> And that's what brought that sport was going on with the training. And that's where I'm at a crisis where, like, with content on Instagram and YouTube. Right maybe, maybe you do both. And maybe you do, like, maybe you do the hammers and then you're like, now you've got, now that I've got your attention, swipe right and you look like a dead <laughs> one. <laughs> like a big if Now that you see me doing some, some horrible swings, look at my uh, plank. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. This is my, my highly rated functional uh, sports training program. Like, swipe right. Like, <laughs> that's what you got to do, man. Like, I saw this post where someone was like posing with less less clothing, I'll say. And I was like, now that I have your attention, go to my bio and donate to COVID-19. I was like, wow, that worked really well. That was like, you donate? I'll get people in. Yeah, I was like, that's, that's smart. That's how you do it. Yeah, it's just, oh, man. You know, I, it's tough because, you know, you see a lot of these, uh, 
oftentimes a lot of the most successful trainers in our industry are not the uh the most i mean i'm not gonna say that they're not the most educated but they're just they're selling you like a uh because they could know that they're what they're doing is wrong but they're just like they're selling you like um you know what it's a numbers game, a numbers game but i also like you said it's like i can't hate on it because you're moving you're helping people if you're doing nothing and then you go from nothing to doing like what i would consider like not the yeah. most optimal method awesome you know you're not doing nothing anymore but at the same time like i see how easy it is for like i hate these things when they prey on people's insecurities like lose 30 pounds in 30 days by drinking only tea and then you have like all these celebrities marketing that and i'm like oh, hey that shit it's so bad it me nuts. Cool. all right well let me let's wrap it up for today thanks brandon you should have me on more often honestly uh, we definitely want to get you on again. So if you yeah. think there's a, if there's a time or if you, even if you think there's someone that could um, add to this conversation, if we have you on the same time, definitely let us know. We'd be, we'd be inclined to that. Cause I know you have like a very strong network in the Boston area or even if it's somewhere else in the country, someone that's you've homegrown and under the, under that kind of industry, we'd love to, to look at doing that. Yeah, so I was going to say, um, just before we wrap up, if you guys, I was talk, in talks with, um, so the person that mentored me as far as studio, they have two, they're opening a third, and also they're currently running, they run this thing called the Independent Strength Coach. It's kind of like you do. He's a very successful trainer in Boston, and I'm sure, you know, he'd love to be on your guys' podcast as well. I can try to connect you guys. Um, yeah, I mean, we, which, whether it's just him, and I think we'd also be cool with having you both on. That way, like, you guys yeah, come on and talk to it, you know? Yeah. Absolutely, man. I'm always down. You guys are, you know, it's a blast. It's a great hey, deal. Any trainer, let me know. I'll move to Boston. I'm down. Yeah. If I, all right. I'll, I'll, be, I'll hire you in a field trip. We'll go field trip, you know, film, film something at Brendan Kelly Studios. Just no, more, no Yankee caps allowed. All right. <laughs> <laughs> if it comes in, it's got to have no brim. <laughs> <laughs> For those reasons, I'm out. Listen. <laughs> <laughs> all right uh, so plug your uh plug your website your instagram one more time just for people who might have fast forward and then any upcoming projects and then we'll wrap it up all right everybody who's listening thank you today uh add me on instagram at brendan.kelly.fitness pretty straightforward my website brendankellyfitness.com um as far as what you can expect from me is i'll constantly just put out you know content of me trying to show you guys the what i believe the right way to move is and then also i'm always a, able to answer any questions people might have free of charge so feel free to connect whenever but then you have videos me. yeah all right thanks brendan thanks, uh, thanks brendan thank you guys